to Marissa's Wicked Word Nosh, a place to chow down on topics relevant to writers of all kinds. Hello, and welcome to Marissa's Wicked Word Nosh. I'm Marissa, and this is a weekly podcast in which I talk about a wide variety of writing-related and reading-related topics, not just because I find a lot of topics interesting, and I hope you do as well, but also because even though you as a writer may not think a particular reading-related topic applies to you, for example, you may write in a certain genre, such as, say, fantasy, and you may not be able to see an immediate connection between that genre and another genre, or maybe a writing style that's unfamiliar to you, on closer inspection, you may find there is, in fact, some similarity between the kind of writing you do and a topic you never thought much about after all. I like to make connections between topics that may not seem as though they're related on the surface, and I do think that as a writer, and hopefully as a reader as well, it helps to keep your worldview broad. That doesn't mean you have to check out everything I talk about on the show. That can get overwhelming, I know. But I think if you keep your view of what you like to read and what you want to do as a writer too narrow, you're likely to limit yourself from doing something that you might find truly amazing. And I don't believe writers should limit themselves. I love encouraging people to pursue their dreams and to do things they may never have imagined doing. And hopefully I'm helping you to do that a little bit with this podcast. Speaking of which, there was another Pit Mad event on Thursday. And even though I didn't pitch anything, I saw some amazing pitches and retweeted quite a few myself. If you're not familiar with PitMad, it's held on Twitter four times a year, once every three months. A writer tweets a pitch for their finished, unpublished manuscript in 280 words or less, and agents express their interest in a writer's work by liking their tweet. Now, this is not to say that if an agent likes your pitch, you'll definitely sign with them. Their liking your tweet just gives you the opportunity to submit your manuscript. But it opens a door, so to speak. And of course, if you follow a writer but aren't an agent, you're not supposed to like a tweet, but you can do what I do and retweet to give it more visibility. You can also comment below the tweet. I think this was the fourth pit mad that I've taken part in, and I always enjoy it. I think it's great that writers are able to make pitches on a forum like Twitter, and I like helping to get the word out there about really good pitches. And I know some people who found agents through it. So even though you do need to be careful, it does work. If you're working on a manuscript right now, and pit mad sounds like something you'd be interested in, the next one is at the beginning of September, and I would encourage you to think about participating. It's the type of thing where, even if you don't wind up with an agent, you can learn a lot about pitching your manuscript and querying. So anyway, I want to spend the rest of this episode talking about a form of writing that I get the impression a lot of writers, myself included, haven't paid enough attention to. I realized a few weeks ago that I haven't thought much about this form of writing in the past, even though I've read examples of it, and I realized it's time to change that. So I'm going to talk today about novella writing. 
According to an article from the Reedsy blog that I'm going to include a link to in the notes for this episode called What is a Novella? Understanding the Form with Examples, quote, a novella is a piece of prose fiction shorter than a novel but longer than a short story, end quote. If you think that description sounds vague, you'd be correct. It really doesn't make a distinction between short novels, which are around 200 to 300 pages long, and long ones like War and Peace or The Stand. And as far as short stories go, heck, it could be 20 pages long or it could be a flash fiction piece. However, Reedsy does add that publishers and awards who consider novellas usually specify a word count between 17,500 words and 40,000 words. To try to put that in per into perspective, I did an episode back in April about Camp NaNoWriMo, and according to an email that I just got, there's another Camp NaNoWriMo next month. I'll include a link in the notes for this episode if you'd like to check out the July Camp NaNoWriMo. But Camp NaNoWriMo is somewhat different from the NaNoWriMo event that's held every November. When you sign up for the November event, you commit to writing a manuscript of at least 50,000 words. And I know some writers who go on to publish what they worked on during NaNoWriMo as a novel. So, you might say that the goal of NaNoWriMo is the first draft of a novel. However, as I said in the Camp NaNoWriMo episode, you don't need to commit to a minimum number of words in the April or July events. So, if you sign up for Camp NaNoWriMo next month and decide you want to end the month with the first draft of a novella that's maybe between 20,000 and 30,000 words, that's perfectly okay. So as I see it, the novella gives you the opportunity to go deeper than you would in a short story. But at the same time, you don't want to go as deep as you would need to in a novel. I don't know about you, but I like that the novella has a less is more aspect about it when compared with a novel. However, coming up with something that packs a punch in a limited number of words can be challenging for some of us. So, what are some things a skilled novella writer can do? Reedsy explains that unlike in a novel, which often has a number of subplots, a novella tends to, quote, hone in on a specific question and dedicate every part of the novella to exploring possible answers, end quote. A novella may also have a more limited cast of characters than a novel. Reedsy notes that a novella often features one protagonist and a more limited point of view. This means that, quote, the central figure's position is usually elevated, end quote, and that although there will often be secondary characters, you're less likely to see them developed as fully as you might in a novel, and you probably won't see enough secondary characters to form an ensemble or anything like that. A good example of a novella with a small but memorable cast of characters is Truman Capote's Breakfast at Tiffany's. I've been a fan of Capote's work for a long time, so I recommend you check it out, even if you've already seen the classic film it was based on with Audrey Hepburn. It's really well written, and like many novellas, as we're we'll get to, it won't take you long to read it. So definitely read Breakfast at Tiffany's. 
In a piece called How to Write a Novella, Ava Deverell notes that, quote, a novella gives the reader far less time to immerse themselves in the story world. So it needs to make up for this lack with vivid, detailed storytelling, end quote. I think this is an important point. I get the impression that in writing a novella, a writer does, in a sense, need to make every word count. But that doesn't mean that they need to leave out details due to a shorter word count. Sure, there may be times when you may not want to go into as much detail as you would when writing a novel. For instance, if you set a pivotal scene in the store, you may not be able to include as much, much description in your novella as you might in a novel, but you should still say enough about, say, what the store looked like inside, how busy or not busy it was. Uh, I don't know, maybe were there any odd smells, like if it's like a place that sells food, did anything maybe tip over or something like that? Uh, how did the salesperson act? That type of thing. Going back to what Deverell said, a novella writer should aim to give readers enough description to quote-unquote immerse themselves in what's going on. What you might want to do in a novella, though, is limit the number of times you use a setting, as opposed to what you might do in a novel, where you might set multiple scenes over the course of the novel in the same setting. How you treat repetition seems to be crucial in crafting a novella. As Deverell explains, quote, any repetition must be vital to the story and to the story structure, end quote. She uses Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol as an example here. And I have to be honest, it's been years since I've read that. But that's an important point. If you're going to use repetition in a novella, you should have a darn good reason for doing so. Another thing Deverell says, and the writer Ian McEwan says something similar in an article called Some Notes in the Novella, that might help you get into the right mindset if the thought of writing a novella appeals to you, is to think of a novella as analogous to a film or maybe a play. According to McEwan, quote, there is a strong resemblance between the screenplay, 20-odd thousand words, and the novella, both operating within the same useful constraints of economy. Space for a subplot, two at a stretch, characters to be established with quick strokes but allowed enough room to live and breathe, and the central idea, even if it is just below the horizon, always exerting its gravitational pull." End quote. That's a good comparison, I think, because it suggests that a novella can sometimes be read in one day, or even one sitting if you read at a good pace. However, even though your reader won't likely spend as much time reading it as they would a novel, that doesn't mean a novella is less likely to stay with them than a novel would. A novella can be just as powerful as a great two-hour film or 90-minute play. Also, Deverell suggests that you read some novellas before you try writing one yourself and that, if you've read any in the past, like I mentioned doing with A Christmas Carol, your best bet is probably to reread them rather than to rely on your memory and what you remember about them. 
doing this will be a good idea because it will help you keep the novella form fresh in your mind when you sit down and try to write your own. If you do decide to read some novellas, either because you haven't read many in the past or maybe because you haven't read any in a while, you have a lot to choose from. Devereaux groups novellas into three categories that are pretty vast, but I think it will help you see that even though novellas don't seem to get the attention that novels and short stories do, there is a lot you can do with the novella form in whichever category we're talking about. The first category Devereaux mentions is the literary novella, which she notes, quote, allows for more scope than the short story while still retaining its intensity. The length is perfect for dense language that would be harder to sustain in a novel, for emphasizing character psychology over narrative concerns, and for exploring difficult questions without overworking." End quote. Some examples of literary novellas are the aforementioned Christmas Carol, which has been mentioned several times now, as well as one that I've discussed on this show in the past and enjoy talking about not only because it's a classic, but also because I have a parody based on it, The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. And if you're new to the show and aren't familiar with Kafka, The Metamorphosis, in which a man wakes up one day and discovers he turned into a giant bug during the night, is not the parody. Let's be clear on that. The parody is a book called The Meowmorphosis, which features a cat rather than a man. The second category Devereaux discusses is the inspirational novella, in which a writer looking to enlighten their readers in some way can potentially reach a wider age range of readers, including kids who might not be interested in reading thick tomes consisting of hundreds of pages, which, let's be honest, probably few, if any, pictures. Even I, at my age, still like looking at a book that has pictures every once in a while. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Ant Antoine Saint-Exupéry's The Little Prince, which you may have read when you were young, falls into this category, as does The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. And as for the third category, the genre novella, Devereaux points out that novellas have been popular among sci-fi and fantasy readers, but you can find novellas in other popular genres. A fairly recent example that I can think of is If It Bleeds, a collection of four novellas that was written by Stephen King and was published last year in 2020. I won't go into too much detail if you haven't read it yet, and I would highly recommend that you do if you haven't, because even if you're normally not a fan of King, there are four novellas and each one's quite different from the other, so you might not like one, but you might like the other. It's that type of thing. But I would classify the first novella in that collection, Mr. Harrigan's Phone, as paranormal, and the final piece, Rat, has some horror elements. There's also a novella in there featuring one of the characters from King's Bill Hodges book trilogy, the, you know, The Finder's Keepers. So you can see that the novella works for detective fiction as well. So the novella can be a great form for genre writers of all kinds and non-genre writers alike. And I think it's a great option if, say, you have an idea for a new work that you think may run longer than a story, but for which you may not have a novel's worth of material. Instead of stretching it out into a novel, 
why not aim for a novella? Or maybe you have been working on a novel, but you hit a wall and decide to step away from it for a while, but you want to keep writing to stay in a routine. That's important if you're a writer. Taking a few weeks away from the novel and maybe trying your hand at a novella might be a nice change of pace. And if you're a reader, novellas have numerous benefits. If you read one you really like, like I said, it's pretty short, so you can probably read it again pretty quickly. Or if you've never read a certain author before and aren't sure you'd like a longer work by them, you might want to check out one of their novellas first. Don't let the fact that novellas don't get as much attention as novels or stories deter you from reading or writing them. It takes skill to craft a strong novella, and as a result, I would argue that it's a legitimate work of art that can hold its own against a great novel. So let me know what you think. Tell me about some novellas you've read and liked, maybe. Email me at marissadellefarfalle at gmail.com and follow me on Twitter if you don't already at, at marissad13 and on Instagram at www.instagram.com slash marissadf13. You can also check out my Buy Me A Coffee page at www.buymeacoffee.com slash marissadf13 where you can buy me a coffee and get a shout out from me in an upcoming episode. And finally, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, as it'll help a lot more people find out about this show. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and for all of your support and feedback. It really blows me away when people tell me they enjoy listening to the podcast and getting something from it that they can use in their own writing, and also when they share it with people that they think might like to hear some of what's in it as well. It's why I do this and why I hope I can continue giving you content that you can find interesting and helpful in future episodes. I wish you luck with any writing you do this week and any other endeavor that you might have. And if you're reading something, I hope you enjoy it. So stay safe and peace out. This podcast is written and produced by Marissa Dele Farfalle and brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Learn more at www.anchor.fm.